Blog Talk Radio. The opinions and views expressed by the host and guest are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Blake Radio Network. Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world. Broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world. BlakeRadio.com. Music for your mind, body, and soul. Talk radio at its best. You are listening to Rainbow Soul. Blake Radio. Dr. Jennifer Daniels, and welcome to Healing with Dr. Daniels. You are listening to Healing with Dr. Daniels on the Rainbow Soul channel, which I breakradio.com, Rainbow Soul. Okay, so it is Tuesday, December 1st, 2015. Well, pretty soon it'll be a brand new year. But until then, we're going to do this show. And so today's topic is being awake in a sleeping world. Many people have difficulty um, being aware of the deadly nature of modern healthcare and watching those around them willingly submit and be uh, mutilated, tortured, and killed. As we said before, this is not murder. When killing happens as a result of the acts of those with special government permission, then it is not murder. But the person is still dead, so it is killing. And so many people really uh, suffer because of this. So tonight what I'm going to do is examine what's going on here, kind of resort it in people's minds, and help... uh, both the believers and non-believers in the present system of murder and mayhem, excuse me, not murder, killing and mayhem, and just reach a, just increased level of comfort with each other. So this is the uh, email I got. It's actually a rather long email, but I'm only going to read you a few sentences at a time, address each portion, explain things, and then uh, let you know how I think Things can be handled. So the question is, how can you know the truth about medicine yet be surrounded by others who are asleep? I've really been enjoying your podcast and book, The Lethal Dose. For those of you, The Lethal Dose is available on Amazon.com. It's The Lethal Dose, why your doctor is prescribing it. Okay, and so this person continues to say, I would leave the country in a heartbeat if I could, as the quality of life here is terrible, and it looks great on the surface or on TV, but in reality, very bad. Dr. Daniels, can you please do a show on this and address this issue? And so, yes, I will, I can, and I am. So, uh, the first thing is to understand what the issue is here. The issue is not healthcare. The issue is happiness. And so, like uh, this famous person in U.S. history said, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. So those are three biggies. And so what we're really talking about here is the pursuit of happiness. So the issue is you need to recognize that everyone is seeking happiness. There are many routes to happiness, and some people have made the intellectual or emotional decision that their happiness 
involve the medical industrial complex and being a part of it. And so the big deal then is to respect other people's choices in the matter of how they pursue their happiness. And this encourages them to respect your choices and how you pursue your happiness. And it can even get them to promote and facilitate your happiness, which is a serious win-win. Now, there's a contemporary song here that explains this very, very well. And this is a hit song, a colossal hit song. The big deal about the song, too, one, is the lyrics are very telling. Two, the, the rhythm is extremely upbeat. If you're the least bit down or blue, definitely play this song. It will lift you up. And this is uh, Farrell's song, Happiness. And these are the lyrics. And these lyrics perfectly describe the position of the people who continually submit to the medical industrial complex much to their detriment. And I think if you understand this mindset, it'll help you take a different perspective and really have a lot more fun yourself. Okay, so this person, these are the lyrics. It might seem crazy what I'm about to say. Sunshine, she's here. You can take a break. And he's, I'm a hot air balloon that could go to space with the air. And he says, because I'm happy. That's it. I'm happy. And clap along if you feel like a room without a roof. Now, so a room without a roof symbolizes happiness, excitement, maybe this uh, sunshine shining in. But what is a room with a roof? A room with a roof. A room with a roof is a cube with six sides, and we can call that a prison cell. Yes, a prison cell. And so this song that you're saying, here's your prison cell, we're going to take the roof off. And we're thrilled. We're happy. Happy. So happy. And so this is what many people feel. They feel they want to be in prison, but just take the roof off. Don't go overboard here. Don't open any doors or windows. No, 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 no. We just want a room without a roof. Maybe it has very, very tall sides. That's cool. And so many people feel they need structure to their lives, structure provided by, well, other people. And uh, this makes them happy and want to clap because they have a room without a roof. And clap along if you feel like happiness is the truth. Okay. So these people feel that because they're happy or being happy, then what they are doing is the truth. And it's fine. There's nothing wrong with these perspectives. People live long lives with this. So, but these are people who don't want to be free. Just take the roof off. Just let a little sunshine in. Not too much. And happiness is the truth. And clap along if you know what happiness is to you. And here, the implication, which I agree with, is that happiness is a different thing to different people. This is very key. And you need to realize that these people you perceive as suffering, as being tortured, being mutilated, and killed by the healthcare system, this is what happiness is to them. They are pursuing what happiness is to them. And by criticizing this, you're actually interfering with their happiness. And clap along if you feel like that's what you want to do. And here is where you come in and where you're bothering people. He says, here come bad news, talking this and that. Yeah, well, give me all you got and don't hold it back. Yeah. Well, I should probably warn you, I'll be just fine. No offense to you, don't waste your time. And here's why. Because I'm happy. And so if you look at what's going on from the perspective of the person who's submitting to chemotherapy, who's submitting to surgery, they are happy. And they feel that you're doing the right thing, for whatever the reasons may be. But the point is, this is not about the healthcare system, whether it's good or bad, it's about them pursuing their happiness. That's all. And it goes on to say, um, can't nothing bring me down. My levels 
of happiness is the implication are too high, um, can't nothing bring me down, and can't nothing bring me down. And you repeat that, and that's pretty much uh, the song, and it gets repeated again and again. There's an extremely exuberant uh, rhythm. I encourage anyone to go to YouTube and uh, Google happiness by Farrell. All right, so that establishes basically kind of the lay of the land here. And so what is happiness to people? To some people, happiness is being a good parent, whether it's a good father, a good mother. And what, how is that definition of a good parent decided? Well, some people have decided that they're going to work hard so if their kid gets sick, they can take them to a doctor. And to them, that is being a good parent. And so some people value being a good parent. Other people value being accepted. In other words, they value knowing that what they are doing is something that will be approved of by most people that they encounter or most people who hear of what they're doing. And so being accepted is very, very important. Um, personally, for me, um, I was not accepted from birth. My parents told me that uh, when I was born, well, before I was born, they were looking forward to having me, but when I popped out, they were very, very disappointed. Um, and very concerned. And so uh, I faced rejection pretty much for the first day of my life. So being accepted never had much meaning to me because even though I wasn't accepted, my parents were so kind as to feed me and clothe me, and they were, they were all pretty nice to me. So I figured, well, it's okay to not be accepted. For other people, they don't feel that way. Being accepted is super high on their list of what it means to be happy and how they go about reaching or achieving their happiness. And that is very important. And this is why people go to doctors and they ask the doctors, doctor, what should I do? What would be the right thing to do? And the doctor says, well, the standard of care. And the person says, of course, yes, thank you, doctor. And so being accepted is very important. Another thing that's important to many people is being right. And how do you know if you're right? What's right? Well, <laughs> I went to Wharton Business School. So we had this discussion, if you nice, friendly discussion. Actually, there's a bunch of students, maybe 10 of us. So I had to out, well, what's right? How do you know what's right? And I said, ah, okay. So finally, one dominant person said, right is whatever you and the next person agree on. That is right. And I said, hmm, interesting. So being right in the eyes of others may mean that you're going to follow whatever any public service announcement says. That you're going to turn your body over to the doctors. And whatever the doctors say, you're going to be obedient and you're going to be a good patient. And so being right in the eyes of others. And then that means you have to follow what experts say. And if five or six or seven experts have a particular opinion, then boom, that's it. That's what right is. And and that's what happiness is, being right. And that's the whole idea behind a second opinion. If this doctor says something and you don't agree with it, well, you go to another doctor. If he agrees, well, they must be right. Two doctors agree, right? And so being right in the eyes of others. Again, many of you know, if you're going to take a look at the medical industrial complex, if you're going to take a look at the 880,000 deaths and you're going to decide you don't want to be a part of it, then you're not going to be perceived as right by many people because avoiding that mutilation, torture, and death involves saying no to some pretty standard things, saying no to your cholesterol drugs, saying no to a mammogram, saying no to your annual exam, and saying no to health insurance even. So being right in the eyes of others is something that's very important to people who are participating in uh, this path of submitting to the medical industrial complex. Another thing that um, is important to these people is having friends. Everyone could use, of course, I think, all the friends they can get, the more the merrier, what the heck. But having friends is important. And if you're a parent and you have children and you decide not to vaccinate and people don't want to play, have their kids play with your kids because your kids are not vaccinated, for many parents, this is a big issue. Or the issue of not being uh, allowed to go places like school. 
Again, to many people, these things are important, which means that they end up submitting to the medical industrial complex as their route to happiness. Another thing that's important to many people in terms of their route to happiness is it's important to them to be a member of a group. And this is really a um, peak uh, issue in the, I would say, mid to late 90s. Everybody was in recovery. You were a recovering alcoholic. You were a recovering drug addict. You were recovering codependent. You were um, a recovering whatever. The list was endless. And I looked down this whole list of things, these groups I could be a member of. And I wasn't a member of any of them, none of them. And I said, boy, hmm, oh, well, I guess I will not member of the group. And so being part of the group, though, is very important to uh, to many people. And if that's the case, unfortunately, then they have a tremendous amount of reward or happiness factor in being involved in medical industrial complex. You can join the Pink Ribbon Fundraising Brigade to raise money for the uh, breast cancer. And then there's the Red Ribbon and the Black Ribbon and all the different causes and groups that support the medical industrial complex that a person can join. So being a member of a group is is very important. Um, Also being a law-abiding citizen. This is curious. Some people take great pride in being a law-abiding citizen. They look for laws to obey, as a matter of fact. And not only that, they try and help other people obey as many laws as possible. And uh, being a law-abiding citizen just got very dangerous. if you're going to submit to the Obamacare legislation. And and with some people, that piece of happiness is more important, that route to happiness is more important than their health. And so this, that's an issue. You know, they're gonna be a member of the medical industrial complex or a victim of it, or certainly a subject of it. And also being employed. Um, Participation in the medical industrial complex has become a condition of employment. In other words, um, employers are basically charged with collecting health insurance premiums from their employees on behalf of the medical industrial complex. So the issue here is happiness. And if you have rejected the medical industrial complex because well, for whatever reason, there's so many, then you've made the decision that your happiness does not involve insurance companies, hospitals, doctors, or drug companies, or even worse, you've decided that your happiness involves you deciding if and when you'll become involved in the medical industrial complex. And that's just the worst, is to decide if and when and how you'll participate because that's very disruptive, even more disruptive, by the way, than not participating at all. So being employed puts you into the uh, kind of the the chute or the path to be financially uh, fleeced or stripped for the insurance premiums, even though you may not be a fan of or decide you want to use the medical industrial complex to reach your goal of health. Because the truth is, nobody really cares if they're healthy or not. What they really care about is happiness. And many people believe that they would be happier if they were healthier. There's actually a lot of evidence to support that. People who are in pain are less happy than people who are not in pain. And people who can get up and go and do things are likely to be happier than people we can't. So the question is, is health on your path to happiness? Another question is, is participation in the medical industrial complex on your path to happiness? And if things like obedience, being considered good and right by everybody you see, and obeying every rule you see is part of your path to happiness, then it makes it very difficult to remove the medical industrial complex from your life. As we've discussed on previous shows, the medical industrial complex is responsible for at least 
40% of all deaths in the United States. That's a huge risk. There is no other disease. There is no medical condition uh, that results in the death or the killing of that many people. So let's take a look at the rest of this person's uh, letter. And what I'm going to do is kind of mention my personal experience about different ways of coping with different things. Okay. I'm writing because I appreciate learning about your thought process, both for problem solving as well as having a healthy mindset. Living in the United States and working as a blank, blank, blank is difficult. I'm trying so hard to get into another line of work, although it seems every profession is corrupted and being used as an instrument of death or theft. And that's true. That's why these professions need to be licensed, because each license is a license to either steal, or kill. I find it very difficult to navigate the many, many challenges life presents. So now we're going to get these challenges and I'll give some suggestions. Okay, today's personal battle is fighting against having a TB titer test and a TB shot and the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccination for employment. It seems every day there is yet another piece of government busy work that sucks up my time and emotional energy that I would prefer to use in a more life-affirming way. Okay, so this sounds pretty drastic, but, um, you know, I didn't care for all these shots and stuff. And uh, my option or election at the time was to not be employed. In other words, to be self-employed, so I employed myself. Uh, at first, I evaded and avoided these things, didn't show up for TB tighter, uh, you know, begged off on a flu shot, uh, this and that, whatever. But after a while, it was just, uh, it was like I was being stalked, you know. Dr. Daniels, can I get your shot? Dr. Daniels, this, Dr. Daniels. And I always had some really charming, persistent person nagging you about this. Finally, I said, you know what, enough's enough. And so uh, I quit. Unfortunately, this job pays in two days what most jobs in my field pay in five. So this person's earning two and a half times what she would earn um, if she got, say, a different job in her field. Okay. It would enable me time to create an escape to an alternative work opportunity if I can avoid the vaccines they're requiring. I've appreciated your vaccine shows and applying everything I have learned to figure this out. Okay, so job pays two and a half times what other jobs are fuel pay. All right, so when I was a doctor, this was back in the 90s, old time, the average family practice doctor back in 1990 was earning more or less mm, $60,000 a year, more or less, after taxes and everything, whatever. So working for myself, I was able to make, on average, three times that amount. So I would encourage people to really take a look at uh, what, you know, at your particular field. And it may be the fact that you're not able to make as much may be based on a lot of assumptions that are untrue, just like the assumption that medical care makes you healthy is untrue the assumption that you're not able to make even more money on your own may also be untrue. And again, there's also other combinations. For example, um, working in a lower paying job and doing something else on the side to fill in the difference or, heaven forbid, lowering your standard of living so you can protect your health by not getting these various vaccines. I have worked with people who have, these are adults, who have wonderful lives, travel, they own lots of stuff, you know, but they get a vaccine because they want to travel to a particular place and that vaccine destroys their health. So that is a problem. And people need to weigh that, that this is not some trivial... um, thing that you're making. This is a life uh, decision. You know, it's it's a life decision that you're making. 
And this decision could um, destroy your life. And many people make these life and death decisions and they think they're deciding between um, making $50,000 a year or making $150,000 a year. And they don't realize that they're deciding between Alzheimer's or a clear mind, or that they're deciding between cripple, a life of chronic fatigue syndrome or uh, an energetic pain-free life. So you need to, you need to really confront yourself in a very honest way with the true decisions that, that lie before you. Um, for example, when I was a resident and I was asked to prescribe what I knew to be a deadly dose of medicine, I said, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I don't do murder or killing for any amount of money. It's just not what I do. And so what I did was I you know, managed to finesse my way out of it. I got the senior doctor who wanted the deadly dose prescribed. He, you know, signed off and he signed it. My signature wasn't on it. But at the same time, I submitted my letter of resignation the very next day. So you really have to be um, firm with yourself. You know, if you truly believe that this measles, mumps, and rubella shot and all these other shots and injections are going to be damaging or destructive for you, and the, the pressure of constantly having to duck and dodge these shots is uncomfortable for you, then you know, take a look at really taking that plunge. And I would say it's almost never as severe as you think it is. Worst case scenario, you have a lot of free time to think things through. Um, but one exercise might be to say, well, if I didn't have this job, what would I do? How would I make it? What expenses could I cut? And I went through that. Um, I happened to have uh, $3,000 saved. This was back in the early 80s. I guess um, it's 80, 84, 1984. Um, so I happened to have that much money saved. And I calculated that with my uh, frugal habits, I could last three to six months on that uh, amount of money while I looked for another job. But in any case, I just wasn't going to kill people. That's just, there's just no way. So, and what happened was I did give them my letter of resignation and uh, they yielded on every, everything that was bothering me. They said, Dr. Daniels, don't worry about it. You don't have to do these things. Of course, the other residents were still obligated to do those things. But I said, they said, no, nope, you don't have to do any of those things. It's okay. Um, you can continue working here, and you don't need to do, you don't need to uh, kill anybody, even if the senior doctor tells you to. So that's that one. And the pay, again, you have to decide what your life is worth. This is serious. <laughs> this is no joke. It's no game. People giving you these shots or putting this stuff in a syringe, they are playing for keeps. And you could become a vegetable. It may take three to five years, but that is entirely what you could be looking at. And just to give you an idea of how dangerous these shots are, there is a shot called a yellow fever shot to protect you from against what? Yellow fever. And what they've found is if you're over 60, the number of deaths from the shot is more than the number of deaths that would happen if you caught yellow fever. So wait a minute, what about before age 60? Are there deaths from the shot? Of course there are. And so the people who are selling this stuff know that people are dying and they just, it's just not a big deal, it doesn't matter. And it's not even that they hate you, it's just that you don't matter, they don't care. So you have to decide how much you care. And if you feel that your life and your health is worth whatever this pay difference is, then that's your decision. But I will definitely say that may be a lie, just like it's a lie that the activity of the medical industrial complex is medically beneficial. There's absolutely no evidence, really none to support that. Even in medical school, they tell us. Uh, 
the physical, annual physical exam doesn't help anyone live longer or better. Um, this drug that we're giving doesn't help anyone live longer or better, but it's a standard of care, therefore we do it, and it's okay to do it because we have a license and ongoing research still make things better in the future, and in the future, the care we give will be more effective. Well, that has not materialized. What has happened is it's become more and more and more dangerous. So the next thing is, every day feels like another emotional assault. Be it to me personally, and again, you can't take this personally because it's not personal, or watching others seal their own demise. Again, we're all alive, which means we're not getting out of this alive. We're all going to die. So it's all about picking which way you want to die, when you want to die, and how you want to die. And so when you say to someone, no, you shouldn't get that vaccine, or no, you shouldn't go get that physical, or you know, that test is going to blow out your kidneys and kill you, and the doctor can't even read the x-ray. Um, what you're criticizing is their decision about how they want to die. And even if you live to be 95, essentially the decisions that you've made in your life have led to your living that long. And so everyone gets to make their own decisions. Um, and watching others feel their own demise, for example, by getting prescribed yet another drug, going through genetic cancer screening because of their fears, and start the road to death in treating uh, breast cancer, for example, or continuing to work with a doctor who asks that they stop doing their own internet research, or not having any awareness of how their medical files, and she says can be, but I would say are being used against them. Um, the black market in electronic medical records is just awesome. And um, when you think of all the personal information you give a hospital or a doctor, and to realize that before you even get home, that information is on the Internet. That's, it's, it's scary, but it's true. And she says, or getting an unnecessary C-section or circumcision and so on. So, yes, all these things are the case. Yes, these people decide. And uh, their freedom to decide to submit to this is the same foundation that supports your freedom not to. So it's just all about freedom. Now, freedom's a funny thing because you have the freedom to give up your freedom. And once you give up your freedom, you don't always have the freedom to take it back. So many people who have given up their freedom don't recognize other people's right to freedom. Um, I'll give you an example. I was at a fasting center, and um, I happened to be a movie star that was there who was fasting to uh, lower her weight so she could continue to be a movie star which is like cool, and she's great looking. So we're talking, and she was saying, oh, you know, oh, I hate those commercials on TV about all those drugs. Who would buy those drugs based on those TV commercials? And so I said to her, you know, those TV commercials aren't designed to sell drugs. Those TV commercials are bribes to the network so they won't carry stories criticizing the drugs. And she said, ooh, well, you got some dangerous thoughts there. I'm not going to talk to you. And she got up and walked away. And so, in other words, in her mind, the price she paid for being a movie star, a professional liar, <laughs> was to, in her own life, reject as much truth uh, as possible. And that's okay. But uh, you need to realize that that is what you're working with. So many people you encounter have made the conscious decision in their life to give up their freedom in exchange often for a paycheck. And um, they don't realize that your freedom, uh, it, it really is priceless. When you can say no to um, a preoperative antibiotic that's going to kill you, when you can say no to an unnecessary surgery, when you can say no to a vaccine that could cripple you for life, and read the package inserts, package inserts say so, it's not just me, then that is priceless. You know, that is a right or a freedom 
that is worth a lot of money, probably more than what you'd earn in a lifetime. And it's just difficult to estimate uh, the value of that. Okay, so I feel so bad watching people self-destruct in this way, both because of the damage they bring to themselves and selfishly, for the moment it gives those who are promoting the theft agenda. So again, I have to reiterate, we're all dying, so we're on somebody's death agenda. But again, you, you have to, uh, you've got to realize that, that we're all going to die. And so it's, it's really about letting them choose how they're going to die and you choose how you're going to die. For example, when I went to the hospital for my second child and I was butchered and tortured and I was there 16 days and had two surgeries, I said, you know what? For the next one, I'm going to stay home. Maybe I'll die. That's okay. But I'm going to stay home. And I stayed home. The third baby I had at home, on the living room floor, in two and a half hours, no problem. So it's really about deciding what risk you're willing to take and how you're willing to die or not. Okay. She said, I really appreciate your insights and the personal experience you shared on how you mentally sustain yourself while also remaining calm and working on the problem without getting riled up. I would love a show entirely on that, the survive and thrive mindset. Okay, I'm going to have to confess. Surviving and thriving are two separate opposite things. So to survive means to suffer and just make it and be unhappy. And to thrive means to have pretty much everything you want. And every day gets better than the day before. And you set new goals and you reach them. You set another goal and you reach that goal. And you just keep going. That's the thrive mindset. So the survive mindset and the thrive mindset are actually incompatible. And that is the crux of your suffering here. You've got to choose between the survive and the thrive mindset. I would suggest the thrive mindset. It's a lot more fun and it's nice to achieve your goals and get things done. So I would suggest the thrive mindset. Uh, and of course, the first thing, judging for this letter to do, would be to uh, find a substitute for your job. I am surrounded by brainwashed people. No one is curious or motivated about anything. I don't know if it's a fluoride, fear, or what, but it is so very isolating. All right, so we'll stop there if more. Uh, again, very isolating, so you have to decide if you value being accepted, having friends, being a member of a group, being obedient, being employed. If you value all of these um, things that imply lots of people being around you all the time. And one thing, if it's very isolating, is to find other people who agree with you or um, believe as you do or, or think as you do. And the person says, I don't know if it's fluoride, fear, or what. And chances are, yes, it is fluoride. When I meet someone who is totally just like off the wall, I'll ask them what kind of water they drink. And sure enough, it's either, you know, tap water or um, some kind of, some kind of uh, you know, government-approved water. I would recommend to anyone to get your own tabletop water purifier. Um, reverse osmosis, distill, or there's another one called Adya, A-D-Y-A. So those are the three choices I recommend. But people who drink tap water, they do have issues with the reasoning process. Um, okay. I feel like I'm living in two worlds simultaneously and would love more ideas for how to stay sane and do whatever I can to stymie the bad guys and protect myself. Okay. So let's talk about stymieing the bad guys and protecting yourself. You cannot stymie the bad guys. As a goal, that puts you on the same track as Superman or Spider-Man or um, Batman. These guys don't have a personal life, whatever, even on the boob tube. And they spend all of their time doing some pretty awful destructive things. I watched, a, uh, I think it was a Spider-Man movie once. I mean, gee whiz, 
this guy destroyed so much property and just created mayhem everywhere and impeded and destroyed the quality of people's lives just by his very presence. My geez, let the bad guy go free if you got to do all that. So you have to choose between either stymieing the bad guys or protecting yourself. So I would suggest um, not so much a defensive posture of protecting yourself, but avoiding the situations that could harm you. Because if you take a defensive posture of constantly protecting yourself, defending yourself, defending yourself, then you're going to find yourself with little time or resources to enjoy yourself. Rather, I think you should focus on what it is that makes you happy and spend your time doing it, moving in that direction, and doing what you have to do to create the kind of health for yourself that will allow you to participate in those activities that you value. And I feel like I'm living in two worlds simultaneously. If you're living in two worlds simultaneously, I would like to point out that you need to expand your horizons. Um, I generally exist in at least five different worlds simultaneously. And again, this started a very early life. I would say certainly at age five, I realized that I was living in at least uh, four or five different worlds. As I've gotten older, what's happened is at any point in my life, I'm generally in at least five worlds, and I let go of some of the old worlds and pick up some new ones. So when I was a kid, there was mom's world, Dudley Do-Right. Mom never saw a rule she didn't like, by golly. And, uh, you know, she bought something. She read all the instructions on how to use it, and she used it only as they indicated. And she assembled anything if she did just according to their instructions. Dad, on the other hand, was a career criminal, and if he got the instructions first, he'd just throw them away, put the thing together. Always had parts left over, and never saw a rule he felt like following. Then I was going to the government propaganda school. There was that world. Then there was the ghetto culture, where everything was very down-to-earth and real. Little touch of danger. And then I was in my own personal world of planning my future life as an adult. So as a five-year-old, I'll say five to 18 years old, those were the minimum of the five worlds that I operate in. And as I got older, I got into little corporate stuff and all other kinds of different worlds. So I would say expand your repertoire so you can identify maybe four or five different worlds uh, that you wouldn't mind being in and ditch a few. So I'll give you an example, for example. So then when I got older in life, I had other worlds. I was in the world of being a mother, raising kids, in the world of being a business owner, um, being in the world of government regulation, being a doctor, a government-regulated entity. I was a daughter uh, to my mother. My father was deceased. Uh, I was a neighborhood activist and as a friend and helper to my patient. So as you can see by that list, I got out of the government propaganda school by homeschooling my kids. I still live in the ghetto, uh, but the ghetto culture, I had kind of modified it a bit. And so think of five worlds that you would be pleased to operate in and operate in those. And take a look at the worlds you are in right now but don't want to be in anymore and make arrangements to get out of those worlds. So... You know, and then another evolution is now I'm an expat, radio show host, internet marketer, helper to my clients, mother, wife, and publisher. So it's a whole new set of worlds, quite a few of them going on here. And of course, we've got rid of a few that we've left behind. I'm no longer an activist. Don't worry about that. I figure things will take care of themselves. So you have to actively manage what world you're in. And um, these worlds are as simple as your um, I guess now that we're computerized, your contact book, and just get rid of all the contacts um, in the world that you no longer wish to wish uh, to relate to. So it's important to exit those both worlds, and that's a key way of lowering your stress: is exit the worlds that you don't feel comfortable in. And it's tough to believe. But when you exit those worlds where you're uncomfortable, it's going to move you into spaces where you're more comfortable, where you're more welcome. 
And um, so any world that you feel is non-supportive or no longer enjoyable, just, you know, slip out the back, Jess. Just get out of town. Um, the other thing is there's no such thing as a victimless crime. Uh, or I should say, no such thing as a victim crime. All crimes are victimless crimes. This is a tough one to swallow. Uh, let me tell you where I get this from. As a little kid, I was extremely powerless. I saw that very quickly. And my parents, being two African-Americans living in the ghetto, or actually wherever they lived, were extremely powerless in the 60s. And their income was you know, not, not exorbitant. I mean, they weren't politicians or whatever. So they're not powerful people. And so anything bad that happened, there was absolutely no recourse. There was no redress. Um, anything, so the only way to handle bad things happening was to avoid them. There was no other, no other out because I had, had no power. And so the way insurance companies look at this is whenever you have something bad happen, say a fire or a robbery or burglary, there's an element of contributory negligence. In other words, how has the victim contributed to the situation they're in? This is it. This is reality. That's the way insurances look at it. And that's why they put people in different risk categories. It's according to how much this feature you have contributes to the possibility of you sustaining a loss. And so I internalize that type of bookkeeping into my life. Whenever there's a situation, I would ask myself, where is my contributory negligence? What have I neglected? Or worse, what have I done that could contribute to an outcome that I don't want? And if you look at it that way, it just makes it so much easier for you to get rid of and escape these objectionable, difficult situations, in this case, uh, being around people who uh, you perceive to be asleep. We're going to talk about that in a minute, too. So... The conditions of employment, you have to, I would say stop seeking employment. It's not where the money is anyway. Do you know the average worker in the United States makes 30000 a year and the average self-employed person makes 100000 a year after business expenses? So you need to really take a look at that and say, wait, wait, wait. The propaganda you've been presented with is you can't run a business, you don't know anything about it, you're not an expert. These, these non-experts are running their own businesses and they haven't all gone to business school are making $100,000 a year average after taxes, whereas people who are employed average are making 30000 a year. So if you're making over 30000 you can just do the same multiplier of 3.3% uh, or 3.3-fold, and that's what you could be making if you were self-employed. So all you have to do is sort through the propaganda and, and get to it. And I recommend an Internet search on whatever it is, and you will find the answer, let me tell you. Okay, the emotional assault of watching others steal their own demise, whether it's drugs, chemotherapy, trying to please their executioner, that be the doctor, by obediently stopping any research. Everyone gets one life to live. Some people like more drama and excitement than others. And we're all going to die anyway. So let them choose the way they're going to die. Let them choose how much drama they want, and you get to choose yours. The real issue is, is you. Are you doing the same thing that they're doing? So by keeping a job that's trying to kill you each year with more health-damaging conditions for keeping your job. So the issue here really is, I think, that maybe you are condemning yourself for not acting on the information that you have, for not uh, taking the big steps to free yourself. Um, and again, thrive or survive, you've got to pick one or the other. You can't do both. And so... <laughs> Being surrounded by brainwashed people. So uh, to tell you a story about Harvard. So I was a student at Harvard. So I was talking to another Harvard student. And he was a guy. And he kind of had a crush on me. And I kind of thought he was cute too. But we're talking. And 
I was explaining to him that I'm going to sell books door-to-door for 80 hours a week so I could earn enough money to pay for Harvard. Because I realized that I needed to earn a lot more money over the summer in order to change my circumstances at Harvard. And so I explained to him, I'm going to sell books door the door, and I got offered it out, and this and that, and da, da, da. He looked at me, he said, Jennifer, you're brainwashing yourself. You're brainwashed. I paused, and I looked at him, and I said, you know what? I'm going to wash till I get it clean. And all this is to say, not that I was right or he was wrong, but that people who are doing things that you think are just totally bizarre, I mean, out there, forget it, can't possibly work, a lot of times they've thought it through and they're doing what they think is the best thing for them at that time to promote their happiness. And what happened was I did go sell books door to door. He was trying to talk me out of it. I made a lot of money and paid for several years of Harvard at once. So there's two points there. One is I really believed that what I was doing was right for me. And so even though I had a tremendous amount of pressure not to do it, and the dean of Harvard students said, don't do it, his potential boyfriend, kind of cute, said, don't do it, I said, wait, it's the right thing to do. I'm going to go do it. And the way I, uh, in my mind, presented that was, okay, I can do this today and not have the approval of these two people, and then next year have incredible bills that I have no clue how to pay. Or I can do it, be able to pay all my bills, and maybe these two people will forgive me and maybe they won't. So uh, the deal is not are you right or are these people who are asleep correct. The deal is do you have enough confidence in your belief to, to act on it? The solution is don't even try and wake these people up. I mean, as long as they don't try and put you asleep, uh, just follow your own truth. And you'll find that some of your truth, what you think is true, may not be true. And, but that's okay. So just avoid these people rather than re- uh, resist them. And, for example, when I was uh, raising my kids and, you know, all this family stuff and all these celebrations during the holidays, they would have these big spreads full of really toxic, poisonous food. And what I would say is, you know what, I'm going to come when all the food is cleared away and, you know, we can, uh, you know, play cards, talk about the year that's passed, watch the kids open presents. And so that way I totally sidestepped the situation, which is why aren't you eating ham? At that time I was uh, vegan. And so I was able to have a pretty good time just by making up my mind that uh, they could do what they wanted and I could do what I wanted. And, you know, I made no attempt to make anyone feel uncomfortable about what I was or wasn't eating. And so offer unconditional acceptance to these people and ask for that in return. You'll find a surprising number of them will actually find that a very appealing deal. Uh, This makes life a lot of fun and it gives everyone permission to change evolve and, uh, you know, and be themselves. So that's the answer. The answer is for you to completely and totally pursue what you perceive to be true and encourage other people to do the same thing, which is to totally pursue what they perceive to be true and, uh, you know, give them encouragement. You know, hey, how's the chemo going? Oh, great. Well, glad things are going better. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, maybe I'll be better next time. You know, just... uh, let people have their way, and then they can let you have your way. Okay. <laughs> we have a questions. Uh, questions in the chat box. Okay, so you can call in with your questions. Plus the number, 914-338-0695. Oh, we are having our 20% off sale, Vitality Capsules. Go to vitalitycapsules.com, and you can enter. Hmm, the code is... I believe it's yes, 20. So they're saying blog talk says I have 35 minutes remaining. No, I'm not talking for 35 minutes more. I'm only going to use my one hour. Oh, maybe a few more minutes. 
All right, let's take a look at the questions. All right. Hmm. Okay, so people in the chat room and they're posting questions, put a question mark after a question. It makes it easier for me to find them. David McGowan. <laughs> All right. Okay, looking for question marks. Is it, okay, it's the best to use a tabletop distiller or to use a whole house water filtration system. Tabletop distiller, much, much better. The whole house systems break, especially if the whole house distiller is a lot of fire and steam there. You could develop a humidity problem. Don't do that. Macadamia, I have leaky gut that causes lots of problems for me not being able to take in nutrients. What can I do to heal the leaky gut syndrome? Okay, first thing to do is <laughs> change your diet. So another person in the chat room says, how do you know you have leaky gut? All right, we're going to accept her diagnosis of her condition. I mean, what the heck? We accept doctors' diagnosis of conditions. And, you know, their batting average is not so cool. Okay, leaky gut causes lots of problems. Okay, first thing you do is you have to change your diet. So let's just say you've got rid of all of your processed foods and sugar. Uh, the next thing uh, that you can do once you change your diet is have regular bowel movements. That will be vitality capsules. And once you have like, regular bowel movements, then you're ready for turpentine. It plugs the leaks. The leaks in your gut are caused by parasites, usually worms, chewing holes in your gut. And then all this bad stuff gets out, and you're off to the races. Okay, so the... Uh, Code is YES20 for 20% off. I think it's a capital Y, lowercase e, lowercase s, 20. Macadance, what is the youngest you would recommend turpentine for a child? I would say at birth. And the way you give turpentine to a child at birth is you rub it on the the soles of his feet. And then it goes up through the uh, meridians to the rest of his body. And then that's not... A, uh, excessive dose for a newborn. So at any uh, age, uh, turpentine therapy can be beneficial. If you're already connected to the show by phone, you can um, ask a question by clicking, I think it's one on your dial pad. Click one on your dial pad. And then a little star shows up. <clears throat> and I can recognize you. Dr. Daniels, let's see. Macadamia is amoxicillin dangerous? It depends on who you ask. Uh, Personally, I stopped prescribing it um, in my medical practice because I found it to be ineffective compared to doing nothing. And I also found that garlic capsules are far superior. So I switched over from amoxicillin to garlic capsules. I just totally ditched the amoxicillin. It just was a total waste of time. Okay. Okay, for the infants, just one drop on the feet? Uh, Depends on how big the kid's feet are, right? So uh, probably two or three drops. All right, we have a question here. Let me see. Let me click this. Hi, you're on the air. Your name and your question? Hello? Yes, hi. What's your question? Oh, do you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi, Jennifer. This is Debbie. Hi. Hi, Debbie. I'm from China. Debbie. Debbie from China. Okay, Debbie. Yeah. Yeah. You'll never believe. Um, you know, I take uh, I take thyroid medication uh, for more than it's been more than 20 years. I've been taking thyroid medication. A very common um, problem. I and I've been told that you know there's I don't know. Just cut to the chase here. I'm not able to get my medication. There's a supply problem here. Can you imagine? And the I mean, in China, there's no thyroid medicine. Yeah, well, here's what the pharmacies are saying. They're saying that um, the company um, isn't supplying it. It's something to do with the government trying to control the price and the price of the medicine being so cheap the stores don't want to sell it. 
Which huh. makes no sense to me, but that's, but that's the answer. Really. But at the same time, it's a common malady that people um, have this problem. So what are they doing if they're not taking their medication? Of course, I'd like to get off my medication. Well, if you feel you still need medication, then try Thyrogol or try Thyromim. Those are over-the-counter supplements in the United States that contain uh, T3 and T4. Thyroid gold mm-hmm. or thyroid mem. Thyroid mem. Yeah. Uh, I'm also aware. All right, thank you. There you are. You're back. You're back, Debbie. We lost you for a minute. Yeah. Armor thyroid and um, Ursa are two other options, I guess, but. They require, they require a prescription, and they might be under regulation. You don't know. Those other two I gave you do not okay, require so a prescription. Yeah. Thyro gold or thyro mim. Correct. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I'm still okay. here in China. Great to hear your voice. Oh, great. Thanks for calling in. All right. We have another question. Hi. Your name and your question, please. No. All right. Well, sometimes there's a delay from Panama. Hi, you're on the air. Your name and your question, please. Yeah, hi. My name is Daryl, Dr. Daniels. How are you? Fine, Daryl. How are you? All right. I have a question. Uh, About three or four months ago, I noticed I started getting a Weird sensation around my heart, and my research says it's called PVCs. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something that most people say is harmless from all the research that I've done, but uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, my diet isn't as great as it should be, and I've just recently <laughs> started following you and reading a lot and changing stuff a little bit. So I've uh-huh. increased my potassium and my magnesium intake, and I was hoping mm-hmm. that you might be able to. Uh, shed a little light on the PVCs and what I may be able to do to correct them. Uh, I have a very high-stress career, and I kind of noticed that they seem to increase with my sense of anxiety that I experience sometimes. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of pieces to that question, so uh, let me go ahead and uh, and tackle them. First, uh, one thing you never want to do is you never want to treat a harmless condition with deadly intervention. I know that sounds okay. dumb, but that's important. And so um, what that means is potassium, if you take too much potassium, it can cause your heart to actually stop and it can kill you. For this reason, I don't recommend that people uh, take supplemental potassium unless they're testing their potassium levels. Okay. All right. So that's not a good idea. To be honest with you, I haven't been taking supplements. I have been taking the magnesium supplements, but... I'm a person that can't stand bananas, but I've been making smoothies and and just doing that the last few days to see if that... Oh, okay, okay. So you haven't been... So the reason you're having PVCs is because of your diet. Um, You're eating food that has had the potassium stripped out of it. Okay. And this is causing a PVC. You're also eating food that has B vitamins stripped out of it, and that's causing your PVCs. So some of these foods would be um, noodles, bread, um, white sugar, and the simplest thing to do is to, is to switch over to the whole food version of these. So switch over okay. to the unprocessed version of these um, foods. And what that's going to do is that's going to correct your nutritional imbalance and extinguish your PVCs. So that's what you can do. Uh, immediately, be extremely, extremely safe, and it'll help you. The next thing is your job. Um, it's stressful, so you say, but it's because the job is stressful. It doesn't mean that you have to become stressed about it. So you have to somehow convince yourself that you haven't died of whatever the emergency is yet and that you can um, somehow reach the point where you can do your job without the stress or minimize or eliminate the parts of your job that are stressful. Another thing you can do is you can 
go to vitalitycapsules.com, click on one-on-one session or discovery session, and then we can um, delve more deeper into that. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. The chat room is hopping. <laughs> okay. Nakadamus, what are the symptoms of pneumonia? A fever and productive cough, period. That's what doctor use, doctors use to make the diagnosis. That is the diagnosis. And whether or not you have an x-ray or whatever, that's a straightforward way of making a diagnosis. If one feels like fullness of fluid in the chest, what can help to get rid of it? Believe it or not, taking long, deep breaths removes the fluid very nicely. We're talking about water. Um, if you're talking about puff, which is a little thicker, then you can just lay over the bed, head almost touching the floor, uh, with your feet on the bed, and you're facing prone towards the floor, and literally the junk just drips out. <laughs> I've heard that bananas don't really provide much potassium, and also just sugar. That's true. I, I personally don't ever recommend bananas for potassium. If you really want to eat something for potassium, eat a green pepper. Microgram. Okay. Is Adia Clarity safe to use? That's the name of the filter. Uh, yes, it is. Let's see if we find more question marks here. Uh, I think we've got it. Okay. So I remind everyone to go visit vitalitycapsules.com, 20% off. The code is YES20. And we'll see you next week. And next week's topic is indemnity, the source of all evil. So what's indemnity? Indemnity is protecting another person from the consequences of their bad acts or their crimes, basically. So next week, indemnity, the root of all evil, And we'll see you then. Thank you for listening.